everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I am the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego, California. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And actually, by the time you listen to this, I'm, I guess I won't be the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church anymore, because my last day is June 30th. Uh, so I'm going to have to figure out a new title for myself. Maybe just, I'll say podcast host. I'm David Tremaine, host of this podcast. You can be, the, execu- <laughs> you can be the executive director of Faith to Go. Okay. <laughs> we'll just make up a position for me. Uh, so I have yes. a thing to say after my name. Yes. Um, welcome everybody. Nobody else in the world ever does that. No, <laughs> that's right. None of our, <laughs> none, none of our titles are really made up. They're all <laughs> real. We all know what we're doing. Um, okay. Welcome, everybody, to this week, uh, the week leading up to the 4th of July, Sunday, July 4th, which is proper nine in your liturgical calendars. Uh, we'll be talking about a gospel from Mark this week. And welcome back, Charlotte. You were gone last week. Would you tell everybody what you were doing last week? I went to North Carolina, Mm. um, which was glorious. I got to go on the Blue Ridge Parkway, which is an extraordinary place if you have never seen it. As somebody that loves mountains um, and greenery, being that high up and looking out at the vast expanse of all of it was really healing. Mm -hmm. Um, But the reason why I went to North Carolina is I actually went to the Christian Formation Conference, which was in person at Canuga. Um, and it was an amazing week of learning and sharing and being in community with others. And I came back with lots of ideas. It was great. That's awesome. So happy. Mm -hmm. Um, well, would you also now then, like we do every week, uh, share with everyone a place where you saw God, uh, in this past week, not two weeks ago in Canuga, but this last week. Yes, I would love to do that. So, In line with the way I make most of the decisions in my life, I went to a week-long formation conference in North Carolina, and then I came back to two full weeks of fantastic full-day arts-based vacation Bible school here at Christ Church Coronado. Um, And it's called Camp Create, and week one was this past week, and it's in partnership with St. Luke's in North Park. So half of our campers come from Christ Church Coronado, and half of our campers come from St. Luke's in North Park. And it is a beloved tradition here. And obviously, we didn't get to have it last year, but this year we were able to bring it back with where we are currently in this world. So the week has been filled with joy and laughter. But on about day three, I was having a conversation with one of our lead counselors. Um, Actually, you know her from Faith to Go, Karen Ray Nelson, my daughter, Mm. leads one of the groups this year. And she was working with the younger grade students, incoming first and second graders who were in her group. And we were reflecting on the fact that they felt a lot younger than first and second grade students in the past. And it's because in this time that has been set apart, they missed their kindergarten year of being with friends. Uh Um, So where I saw God in that was that because they got to come to camp, it was the first, for many of them, it was the first time that they learned to play with other children. Mm -hmm. 
that's a shocking thing to say, right? Yeah. Like that they, they didn't like part of their time here, part of their formation mm-hmm. was learning how to be in community mm-hmm. with others, learning what it meant to interact with friends, learning how to problem solve, learning how to play um, because they had spent so much time at home, which is a wonderful and safe place to be for sure. But definitely developmentally, part of what is really important about school is learning how to be a community. And so I saw God working all through that because these children by day three were just joyfully together and experiencing things and making room for each other and looking out for someone who was having a hard day. And it just really was such an important reminder for me in this season of learning to do things together again that that's the reason why we do it. Yeah. So crazy. So cool to, uh, mm-hmm. to be there at that, <clears throat> at that time when they're all, everyone's emerging and you're like watching, watching that formation happening that hasn't happened in so long, you know, it's so crazy. Well, and creating space for each other in it, realizing uh-huh. that we're all emerging in a different mm-hmm. way right. and at a different speed. Yeah. Um, and that like, that's really important is holding space for people to walk into at their own pace. Right. Because we're all relearning how to do all these things <laughs> that we haven't mm-hmm. done. The muscles we haven't used in, you know, a year and a half. And that's really, mm-hmm. really hard. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. And uh, we have an, you have another week of Camp Create coming up this week. I do. I do. We had to make our cohorts smaller to meet all the CDC guidelines. Um, and so instead of having less campers, we decided to run it two weeks so that kids could have it. Well, thank you for that ministry, Charlotte. That's awesome. And uh, we would love to hear from you all this week. Uh, where did you see God in your life? Where have you been feeling God's movement or maybe not feeling God's movement? Maybe where, it's, where has it been hard uh, to feel God moving? We would love to hear from you. You can always email us, faithtogoatedsd.org. You can contact us through the website, myfaithtogo.org, or you can contact contact us through or follow us on Instagram at faith2go. DM us. Uh, we are going to get into the gospel this week now, and this week's gospel is from Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 13. Charlotte is going to read it, and then we'll have some context, and then each share a point, and then have a joint point. <laughs> I just say that to make Charlotte laugh now, really. (laughs) Every time. Every time. (sighs) Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Jesus came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph, and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went out among the villages teaching. He called the 12 and began to send them out two by two and gave them the authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, 
but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. All right. Uh, not too much to say about context this week because we really are just following along the narrative of Mark's gospel here in these first five or six chapters. Uh, last week we heard the story of, the, of Jairus' daughter and the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, both being healed. And this is the very next thing that happens. Um, you know, last week Jesus uh, asked this, the girl that they, everyone thought was dead, maybe who was dead, to arise, to get up, and, to, and, and tells everybody to get something to eat. And that's the end of Mark chapter 5. And then this is the very beginning of Mark chapter 6, verse 1. He left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. So as you remember, uh, he's, going, he's been going back and forth across the Sea of Galilee. His hometown of Nazareth is on the west bank, the west side of uh, Galilee. So it's, he just kind of was able to walk from the place where he did those healings back to his home, hometown. So he didn't have to cross the Sea of Galilee to do that. He was already on that side. Uh, and he'll be there for a little while. So uh, that's where we are right now. Mark chapter 6. Uh, still in the first half of Mark's Gospel. And Charlotte has the first point for this week. I do, I do. And I am actually going to reference the beginning, and you are going to hear part of this same section with David in point two. But the place that I come into this is the way that Jesus is received, or the way in which Jesus is not received, discounted, dismissed, most because as Jesus is there and teaching in the synagogue, the people who respond to him discount him based on who he is, like that he is the son of a carpenter. Um, you know, they name all of the reasons why he shouldn't have knowledge that he can share with everybody else. They discount him mm-hmm. um, based on his upbringing, and I think that is still relevant now. It's, it's something that maybe we don't actively discount Jesus, although sometimes maybe we do when he says something that's hard for us to hear, when we read something that doesn't align with what the way we're currently walking or being in the world. We're like, wait a minute, Jesus. Mm. Um, but more so, I think it's something that we need to acknowledge in the way that we respond to other prophetic voices, um, especially when people name a truth that is hard for us to hear that we are very apt to dismiss them based on the way in which they are different than us, based on a way that we view them as less than us. Um, Are they too angry in the way that they are saying it? Um, Is what they are delivering counter to what we believe to be true about the world and about ourselves? And we have this natural instinct to protect ourselves in that. And one of the ways in which we protect ourselves from things that are harm is by discounting the other person, by naming, the, naming them as other, and by um, saying that their perception, therefore, cannot be valid. And I think that that's exactly what I see happening here, both to Jesus, and then that Jesus reminds the disciples, hey, when you go out to your own town, this is going to happen to you too. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're seeing happen in the world today 
what we are recognizing in other prophetic voices has been happening all along. It happened to Jesus. It happened to the disciples. It happened before Jesus. It's just a natural human instinct to name things as other that are hard for us to hear. Mm -hmm. And I think that I've spent a lot of time, particularly in this last year, trying to make myself sit in those places that are uncomfortable instead of immediately pushing back and discounting the other person. Or truthfully, even in those moments when I push back against something that then I'm like, wait a minute, Charlotte, where did that come from Mm -hmm. for you? Like, is that really that the other person was wrong or were you uncomfortable? (laughs) And so you were like, no, 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 uh uh-uh, can't, can't listen to that. Can't, can't do that right now. And being, then making myself open up to things that I initially rejected Mm -hmm. and try to hear them. Mm -hmm. Now, my own personal growing edge on that is that I am very good at analyzing things after the fact and growing from them and choosing to be and walk differently afterward. But I don't always go back to the person that I initially discounted or rejected and be like, hey, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sorry that I did it that way, right? Like I'm pretty good about learning growing and moving forward, but that accountability piece of going back to the other person and and saying that I was wrong, that's my growing edge. Mm -hmm. And I think as we identify those things about ourselves, that it provides the opportunity to create space for the ways in which God is moving and teaching us through each other in the world, even right now. Yeah. And I I think my my point is about that that way. I like that... um that phrase, the way God is teaching us, because that, that is, that is my point about this idea of the wisdom that is being rejected, especially in this, in this beginning part, because they, they don't, the way that they talk about wisdom here is really interesting to me because they say, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? And mm-hmm. I was struck by that because it's like, they, I think we, we often, um, or at least I have, I, I very often think like if I think hard enough, I'll like figure out uh, all the things that I need to figure out to be like, to be wise. <laughs> that like I can sit down and in my own mental processes be like as, an, as a detached observer of the world, uh, say some wise things about how things should be or like have some prophetic wisdom. But that Jesus here and this this group of people here is pointing to the idea that wisdom is not created or generated from the from a person, but is revealed to them. It's given to them. It's given as a gift to them. And we see that really in so many of the stories of the prophets. That the that the prophets the the wisdom of the prophets is is a is a product of their not their own mental capacities or their own expertise, but of their relationship with God. That their dia- their open ended dialogue with God, and that Jesus is embodying this open ended dialogue uh, with God. And he's he even Jesus, you know, who we we often have we have this very high uh, Christology for. We have we call him even. This, the incarnation of God, even Jesus is receiving wisdom, is being given wisdom. And so it's almost like 
and it's not just from God that wisdom is received, but from other people, from the world, you know, and that requires us not to detach ourselves and to figure things out in our brains and then to go back and tell people the wisdom, but to be engaged with the world, to be in relationship and be really open uh, to be changed, like you're talking about, because um, that wisdom is often very challenging, you know, and and that prophetic wisdom, we can we recognize wise people because they say things that both challenge us, but also we can tell that it's challenging us because it's resonating deeply on the level of truth, you know, and so it's not like an ego-driven knowledge. It's not like an ego-driven certainty. Uh, that can be very self-serving, but a wisdom that is that is attempt that we can feel it because it's opening up new possibilities. It's opening up new ways forward, and that's the kind of wisdom that they're recognizing in Jesus, and that's the kind of wisdom that is only ever received from God. I mean, we we bring ourselves to it. We can take time, you know, to think through things, to sit down and journal or write things out. But it's like I know that the things that I've said that have resonated the most with people whether that's in like a sermon or in a, in my in my book or uh, just like talking to people it's all just like stuff that is like arisen in me mm-hmm. it feels like not things that i've like figured out myself because i sat down and thought about them long enough and hard enough to get somewhere new so and i think we all have that those moments uh we call them aha moments sometimes you know it's like the moment when something clicks in your brain and it, it was because you like relaxed into the moment, not because you were working really hard and smoke was coming out of your ears. Uh, oh. It's because we were there, you know, we became present. We became present with our mind and we realized, oh, God is there and here's this gift. And, that, and then we bring that gift to the world like Jesus is. Um, and, I, and that gets into our, the third point. Uh, which to me is very similar and slightly different because it's it's then like the way that Jesus sends out the disciples to carry that wisdom into mm-hmm. the world, into the communities. And that same kind of openness and presence and vulnerability, he's kind of like structurally building into their mission by the way he tells them to go out. Because to me, the way that he's like, he's telling them to take nothing with them and so he's really requiring them not to be to he's making it so that they really can't be like independent detached observers of the world going in as experts and preaching to people and preaching at people and telling people what they are supposed to and need to know but he's making them dependent on the very people that he that they are going to be going out and doing uh, and and relaying this good news of the kingdom of god too so dependent that they can't take money, they can't take anything to house themselves, to feed themselves. Like, they cannot survive in what he's asking them to do without the people to whom he's sending them. And I think that's really mm-hmm. an import, so, so important, and Jesus does that very intentionally because he realizes how important the back-and-forth dialogue and the relationship is in that work. You know, this is not like a one-way street where these very enlightened people are going out to tell the unenlightened people what they need to know for salvation. It's like, no, they're taking something that has been transformative in their life and going out and building relationship and seeing what comes back to them. So they're op- they have to be open to being changed as well. 
as as changing the world. So it's this back and forth transformation that's happening so that they will come back to Jesus, different people than the people that left Jesus on this mission. And that is kind of symbolically shown in what they can and cannot take. They can't take all the things that they would use to protect themselves, to armor themselves, to make themselves invulnerable. They have to be open to a process and not just a product at the end. They're open to this un- unfolding way that the kingdom of heaven is is going out into the world and changing the world. Well, and I think that that's really important, but I also notice that for me, at least, it feels like Jesus notices the vulnerability of doing that work and doing exactly because what he's asking them is to be completely vulnerable, right? right. And mm-hmm. and how they're going out. And he goes, okay, I need you to be completely vulnerable and go out and share this wisdom that's been given to you with the world, but I'm going to give you a buddy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Because he does. I feel like the sending them two by two names the fact that when things are inherently difficult to do, when the challenge seems insurmountable, that having someone by your side makes it bearable. Um, Not just bearable, but it helps you, like when my energy is low, David, you carry me, right? Mm -hmm. Like we are friends and partners in this work that we do together. And when something is hard or a struggle for you, I try to help carry you. And that relationship of having someone that you can count on mm-hmm. um, is really important to be able to do the work that we are called to do, that we are not called to only do it by ourselves, that we are called to be in relationship with each other as we go out um, to share the wisdom that we have been given. Mm-hmm. And it certainly highlights for me, like as I was thinking about it, I'm like, well, he sends them out two by two, but also we know wherever two or three are gathered, right? That, that God is there in the midst of us. Mm-hmm. And so we are going out two by two with God. Right. Um, to do this work. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is with us, that Jesus is in our hearts, that all of these ways in which we are called out to do work, we are mindful that we have companions on the journey and that God is with us as long as we can get quiet and listen, because sometimes maybe we don't get so quiet and we don't listen, mm-hmm. um, or at least not me, but that in all of this call for vulnerability and for the ways in which they're being out to, sent out to do the work, they are being sent out together. Yeah. And so it's in, and so it's interesting to see the one thing that Jesus does say they can take is a staff and then their buddy so that they he sends them out with like <laughs> physical and emotional support. <laughs> you yeah. know. It's like Jesus is Thank not you, Jesus Jesus, <laughs> Jesus doesn't want them to be able to he's like he wants them to be vulnerable so that they don't have anything to with which to shield themselves, but he does want them to be supported. And so he mm-hmm. sends them with a person that has a that has a an understanding of the same thing they're trying to share with other people so that they're supported with a person with common language, a common view and understanding of what they're trying to do, but also not with anything to shield themselves from the world and from relationship out there. So it's both protection. It's 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 like unprotected, but it is supported. And uh, yeah. that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's our three points for this week. Uh, point number one was Charlotte's, and it was about rejection and being aware of uh, the things, the prophetic voices and the witnesses and the wisdom that we are rejecting and wondering why, and doing that kind of inquiry when we feel ourselves start to uh, put up our defenses and and want to reject 
uh, a truthful word from somebody that makes us uncomfortable. Uh, and then even to go back and say, hey, I was uncomfortable about this. I, I really wanted to reject this thing, and I'm, I'm here now. I'm listening. Um, number two was mine, and it was about this idea of wisdom being given, not just something we create in ourselves, but that is something we receive when we are open, when we are present, when we are with the world, when we are engaged. And the third one followed from that, and it was about the way that the, that Jesus sends out the disciples uh, in vulnerability and openness and dependence on the world that they are going out to bring this good news into, the people they're going to bring it to, and the way that they are sent with uh, support, even maybe without protection, but with support of one another. And a staff, so they can lean on that as well if they get tired. Um, so, or toilet like a baton. Exactly. Um, so having heard that, uh, those three points and this gospel story, we'd love to hear what you think of uh, this story. What, what, the po- what would your point be? You can email us, faithtogo at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaithtogo.org, or you can email us, or you can contact us through or follow us on Instagram at faithtogo. And we will be back uh, next week to talk about the gospel for July 11th, proper 10. And until next time, we say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.